This is the Find Your Focus podcast with Goals Classroom. We chat with inspiring and creative entrepreneurs to encourage, empower, and equip you to take the next steps in your photography business. We want you to leave each episode with actionable steps so that you can gain confidence, book your calendar, and earn more income with your passion. So grab some coffee or your drink of choice and let's get to it. Hey everyone, I'm Logan Fay and the host of the Find Your Focus podcast with Cole's Classroom. Today I'm talking to Rachel from Green Chair Stories. She's a photographer and copywriter for photographers. Rachel has a way with words and she is here to tell us all about how to book clients from your website and it all starts with something that she calls your copy lens. She walks you through exactly how to create this copy lens. Something that I love about this interview is that Rachel gives us her best tips and tricks on how to grab your client's attention and get more bookings from your website. She also tells us about mistakes she sees photographers make on their website and how to fix it. Let's dive into this interview with Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So tell us about Green Chair Stories and how you came up with that name. It's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. I worked as a photographer and writer in the nonprofit field for like, I don't know, almost 10 years before I started my own business, or I guess I started my business in the middle of there. And the last nonprofit that I was a full-time employee for, I was a writer and photographer at a rescue mission in Denver, Colorado. And they let you decorate your office with donated furniture. Like there's just a huge warehouse of furniture that gets donated. And so you get to go in and pick something. And I walked in to this big warehouse and I saw this awesome velvet green chair. And this was before velvet was cool. It was not cool then. (laughs) I was not ahead of the times either. I just like weird things. So I was like, that's got to be my office. That's got to be the chair that sits in my office. And so they moved it in. And throughout my time there, like I had moved to Denver kind of recently and didn't have a lot of friends. And that chair kind of became the catalyst for relationship building for me. People would come in and I had my lights really dimmed and I decorated the whole thing to be very cozy in there. And I was interviewing people. It was my job to interview different employees, different people who had graduated from the program. I had homeless men that were currently living on the streets come in and sit in that chair. Like that chair held a lot of different people from all different walks of life and it held a lot of stories. And I found that people would come in and kind of get comfy in that chair and just like word vomit at me, you know, their whole life story. And it became such a point of connection for me, a connection to the city, a connection to my coworkers and eventually some of my dearest friends. And it really kind of solidified that this was the kind of work that I wanted to do going forward. I wanted to help people tell their stories and make them feel extremely comfortable and welcome while they did it. So it wasn't like pulling anything out of them. It was something that they wanted to do. So the green chair kind of became a metaphor for my work. I love that. I want to come sit in this green chair. (laughs) (laughs) I still have it. I've lived in Philadelphia now. We moved and it came with me and my dog sits in it more than anyone. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I love it. So did you always have a interest in photography? Yeah. My mom took a ton of pictures growing up. She was just kind of like the family historian as most moms are. And she was pretty good at it. And she was very generous. I'm a little bit older. So it was film then. 
And she let me like waste rolls and rolls of film, just kind of practicing and getting better. And then I was the yearbook photographer in high school. And then I was a photojournalism major in college. So it just was kind of this thing that I always liked. And Mm -hmm. it was a very steady constant. And I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to turn this into a career, but I'm going to try. There are so many different stories of how how people got into photography. So I always find that so interesting to ask whoever we're having on the podcast, because everyone's story is just so different. Oh, yeah, for sure. Some people, it was like this huge revolutionary thing, like, oh, I'm meant to be a photographer. And then for me, it was just kind of like, oh, I always did this. I liked it. And then once I learned how to actually manipulate my camera correctly, it was like, this is a real thing that I can do in life. (laughs) But it's so true. And writing for photographers, everybody's journey to that point of getting paid to do it is their own. 100%. I was an elementary school teacher and always thought that's what I was supposed to do. And so about two years ago, I took a leap of faith, quit my job and did photography full time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's not something that I ever imagined I would be doing. But of course, once you find photography, I feel like it pulls on your heartstrings and you just know that's what you were meant to do. Absolutely. So can you explain to our listeners why it is important to find your copy lens and kind of what that means? Yeah. So something that I do for all of my clients when I write their copy is help them figure out their copy lenses. And it's a term that I came up with and I always joke around and say it's like the opposite of beer goggles. Beer goggles make you like a little bit confused (laughs) and copy lenses clarify everything and they bring everything into a clearer focus. Basically what they are are guiding principles. They're filters that you should look through every time you write, whether that's an Instagram caption or a blog post or the website copy for your site. They're kind of like, they're internal facing too. Your mission statement, unless you're a nonprofit, should just be for you. It's kind of the guiding principle of what jobs you take on, who you work with, where when you make big business decisions about growth and new direction, you kind of filter it through that mission statement and your why of why you do this work. Your copy lenses are similar, but there's more than one because I usually write three for clients, one about who you are, one about who your clients are and how you serve them, and one can simply be about your worldview or your belief system and how your business pushes that belief system forward. So it sounds like these really big, heady things, but it's basically just like the things that are the most important to you, the most defining characteristic of who you are, the most defining characteristic about who you want to serve and how you do it, and then the most defining characteristic of what you want the world to look like. So I think that writing them, there's so much possibility, and I think that's why people get overwhelmed when they sit down to write, but having your copy lenses kind of narrows your focus on what's important to you so you don't have to worry about all the options. You just have to worry about what's important to you. Definitely. It's so overwhelming when you jump into creating a website and trying to find the right words (laughs) to put on your website that I like the idea of trying to narrow it down, even if it's just for yourself. So you know, really like what you are about, what, how you want to come off to your clients, potential clients. So I really like the idea of finding your copy lens. Yeah. And I found it to be really helpful for my clients after they work with me too, because then as they continue to evolve and grow, as they write more and, you know, an Instagram caption is sales copy. You're trying to warm up your audience every time you post something. So if you always have a lens to look through, people think it kind of stunts creativity a little bit or stunts possibility. But I think that when you narrow it down, then you can really start to grow in your space. And I always use the comparison of me. I'm only a copywriter for photographers. I do not write for anyone else. But 
I have been able to talk so specifically and get so detailed because that's only who I write for that I, because I'm not constantly worrying, well, this won't apply to this group of people. Like what I talk about always applies to photographers. So I can talk about everything. So I think that's a big fear people have of niching down in general. And the more specific you can get about these copy lenses, I find the more freedom you'll have to just go wild and loose in your blog posts and Instagram (laughs) captions. For sure. I definitely can see how this would help with Instagram because when you go to someone's Instagram page, I feel like it's so easy to be like, well, is this a photography page? Is this a personal page? Is this about things to do in the area? So when you narrow it down and you know exactly what you're trying to convey to your clients, I feel like when they go to your page, they know what you're about. They know who you are. They know what to book you for. Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to copywriting for websites, it is so easy to get overwhelmed. I'm sure that you've kind of, you know, you've nailed it down, but what tips do you have for someone creating their website or revising it? I have a lot of them, but I won't go on and on. I think the first tip that people don't think of is don't write it in your site. The worst thing you can do is you go into the back end of your site or it a template that you bought, which is fine. Like templates are great. But I think some of like the filler text that people sell their templates with, like their design templates, really hinder your creativity because then you're trying to just replace what they wrote with similar copy. And so you're kind of married to this flow that they've laid out to you rather than thinking through what your client needs to read and when. And one of the biggest things I preach is jumping into the conversation that your client is having with themselves. When people land on your site, there's already a conversation going on in their head. And the number one tip for copywriting in general is finding out what that conversation is. Are they price shopping? Do they have 10 tabs open normally? Like, is that the range that you're in price wise? Or are they like, I've been following this person forever and I really want to book them, but I bet they're out of budget. Is that the photographer that you are? And there's a lot of ways to find that and I'll get into that. But the worst thing that you could do is use someone else's templated layout for your client. So don't write it in the back end, open up a Google doc, stare down that blinking cursor and write it without a layout in mind. A simple word doc template might be good, but don't let those boxes constrain you because then you're gonna be like, oh, that sentence is too long. So you'll be editing yourself before you're ready for the editing process. Does that make sense? It does 100%. So yeah, that's simple, but just don't write in your site. So every single page on your site has a specific goal and job. Every page should sell. That's the number one goal of all website pages, but they have secondary jobs too. Like your about page, the whole point is to build your like, no trust factor. You want people to like you, to know you and to trust you. And that is the page to do that. My friend, Jess Jordana is another copywriter. She's wonderful. She says the homepage's job is to get people off of it, which is so true because, and I always compare it to walking into someone's house for the first time. When you walk into a new house, you don't know where to go. You don't know if they want you to take your shoes off. You don't know if you're supposed to go upstairs right away or if they hang out over here. Like you've never been there. You have no idea. So that's like a homepage. It's like standing in the foyer of someone's home. And we, as the website owner, need to direct them how we want to hang out with them and where they need to go. So that's your homepage's job. So when you look at each page and you assign each one a job, then you can write copy on each page that accomplishes that job. And it's easier to write these if you give the whole site a theme. And again, going back to your copy lenses, this is the theme, the big idea of your site. You can get your big idea 
that you open your site with, the first line of text that they read on your site should be introducing this idea. It could be your unique selling point, which is the differentiator between you and your competition, what makes you different. And there's tons of USB templates if you Google it. Or it can be the most significant problem your clients have, like that conversation that they're having in their head. That's what you can lead with. That can be your big idea. And then you paint you and your services as the solution throughout the site. So you make this big claim on your homepage, whatever you offer, however you do it differently, you make that big claim and then every page supports that. You're spending the rest of the copy and the rest of the site proving that claim. And the way that I always recommend finding your big idea, whichever one you choose, a USP or the problem that you solve, the best way to do this is to talk to your past clients because they hired you. They had that moment of tension where they didn't know who they were going to pick. And for some reason they picked you. So you need to figure out why. What pushed them over the edge? What made them say this is worth the investment? And whatever that moment was, that's what you want to recreate in your website copy to help people get there before they know that they're even thinking or willing to get there. So you can either call your past clients. That is the number one thing that I recommend. A lot of people are afraid of that. If you are too afraid of it, look back through your emails. What was the thing that people said, hey, we're in, we want to book you? What did you say in your last email that made them say that? So just put that on your site. So. That is the number one way to ease overwhelm is if you bring in input of others that you already have the information in front of you because people have already booked you or already emailed you saying they're going to book you. So just use that information and go from there. All of that is wonderful advice. And that kind of leads me into my next question, which you kind of already answered. Whenever I go to websites for photographers, say just in my area, I always see photographers posting all of their information about them on their homepage. And of course, that's not really hooking them into the site. It's not telling them why they should book them. So what advice do you have for hooking clients who visit your website? Again, there's so many ways to do it, but you're right. The first way is not to talk about yourself. Visually, you really want to make sure you don't have giant chunks of text because people see that and they're tired. Like they don't even want to start reading because it's just too much. So you want to make sure you have it designed with really bolded headlines. And there's like a Z formation that sites take that our eyes naturally travel down a web page in. So like something on the left, then something below it on the right, and then something below that on the left. And it makes a really beautiful Z and we're all used to reading that way. So visuals are really important. I know that I'm not a designer by any stretch of the imagination, but they are important. And then my favorite is there's a storytelling concept called in medias res, which is Latin for in the middle of things. And I think Donald Miller talks about this in story brand. I don't know if that's a correct reference, but I think so. A lot of people talk about it though, especially in copywriting. So in the middle of things, it means dropping your reader into the middle of something. So that could be into the middle of their story. And this is kind of Donald Miller's whole thing of making your client be the hero of your copy and you're the guide that kind of takes them along. So if you're talking about in the middle of their story, your first line on the website could be either something about how exciting this season is, like, oh, I can see your ring sparkling from here through the screen he did great or something like that. I mean, that's gendered, but you get the idea. So something that kind of says, we often preamble way too much before we get to the meat of things. So usually what I tell people is write what you want to write on your homepage and then delete the first half. And it's way more interesting because if you drop people into the middle of something, the way we're wired psychologically, our brain wants to close the loop. So we're going to read everything until we can close that loop and consider it a finished story. 
a great example is like in movies when they start, let's say the first scene is somebody breaking up. You're instantly like, what happened? Why is this happening that way? It's kind of the same thing. You want to introduce something that makes people say, oh, well, what about, and you want to hook them in that way. So visually, and if you can do that, that is, I think, one of the best ways to engage people right away. I love that. I love that tip (laughs) because that sums me up. If you put me in the middle of something and I don't know how it ends, I have to find out how it ends. Even if it's not really something that I'm interested in, I'm going to keep reading. Absolutely. And we're all literally wired that way. That's why clickbait works because people are telling you a little bit and you, in your head, you need to close it. Even if you know it's a stupid, trashy site and you're not going to be satisfied, your brain has still triggered a hormone that makes you say, or a chemical that is like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) So what are three mistakes that you see photographers make on their website? I feel like I see a lot of things. The first one you actually mentioned already of like when you go to somebody's website and the first thing you see is a picture of them or a paragraph about them and why they love what they do. That's not necessarily a bad sentiment to have on your site, but it certainly should not be the first thing that people read. The first thing people read should resonate with them. They should feel it in their heart. They should feel like, oh, this person understands me. Like this person gets my struggle or not even struggle. They're excited with me. They understand that this season is both really overwhelming if they're planning a big wedding or just really exciting. And that's what talking to your clients will do. It will help you kind of see what space that they were in when they first inquired with you. And that's a really important question to ask if you do talk to your clients. Ask them how they felt when they were looking for photographers. What was hard? What was fun? What did they wish they saw more of? What did they wish they saw less of? That kind of thing. Sorry, that was like long-winded. But (laughs) Don't talk about yourself right away. I think it's Carnegie, is I pronounce his name? How to Make Friends and Influence People. That whole book is about how to get people to like you and people are going to like you if you like them and you're interested in them. So genuine interest goes such a long way. So don't lead in with like, hi, I'm Rachel and this is why I love photography. Nobody wants to read that. (laughs) I wish our listeners could see that handshake that you just... (laughs) (laughs) It was like one of those real aggressive one that comes up from high to like establish power. Anyway... Also, I think gone are the days of the static site. I think five, 10 years ago, it used to be really customary and kind of like the status quo for a photographer to have. You go to their site and it's like a big scrolling gallery of giant hero images. And then all you saw was the navigation and maybe serving Philadelphia, Pennsylvania couples, you know, and that was it. But if you think about how we scroll all day long on social media, And on our phones, everything we do is scrolling in our emails, like literally everything on your phone goes up and down. So you should try to emulate that on your site. I highly recommend a scrolling site. And if you listen to this in 2021, this could be outdated. But on September 29th, 2020, this is my advice to you. A scrolling site will feel intuitive to people. So you want to give them something to scroll. So a big mistake I see is people having just like nothing below the fold and people are going to be like, Oh, this person isn't legitimate. Two years ago, I wouldn't have said that, but now I definitely think that those sites are outdated. Oh, and another big one I think that I see people get wrong is wasting your contact page. And I know not everyone in my industry agrees with this, but (laughs) I think I'm right. Otherwise I wouldn't give the advice. If you go to almost any photographer's contact page, they're going to say, 
Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to hear from you. You'll hear back from me within 48 hours. If not, email me. Here's my direct email. Don't waste that page. That is a great piece of text to have as a pop-up after they hit submit. You can set the expectation after they've reached out to you because that piece of text that I just recited from memory, because that's how many photographers have it, that doesn't convince them to book you. That does not move your needle forward at all with trying to get someone to fill out that form. So what do people need to hear from you to fill out that form? How do you close the loop on the big idea that you started on the homepage? Because if people come to just two pages on your site, the homepage and then the contact page, they should get the gist of who you are and what you're about. That's how much personality needs to be infused in both. I'm not saying to make it long. It should still be a short piece of text, but it should be compelling and it should sell you one last time. In that contact form, I see it's so generic and I get wanting to get people through and so they don't feel like they're writing a novel just to reach out to you. But having just one or two specific open-end questions that they have to answer with a little bit of personalization will help your inquiry response so much. If you personalize your inquiry response to them, they're going to feel so much more connected to who you are. And you can personalize it more if you have more information about them. So I'm not saying have a 25-question questionnaire on your contact form, but certainly adding like, how did you meet or how did he propose or she propose? Having just one or two questions that help you answer with more personality will change your sales process 100%. I love the idea of getting more information from them than just basic information because then you can customize kind of how you respond and get to know more about, you know, possibly why they want photos or just any kind of glimpse into their life to make it be able to personalize it more. Right. I've even seen people ask what gallery or what wedding they liked. And if you make it a required field, they have to answer. You can even go one step ahead and reassure them in that inquiry email and send the full gallery and be like, here's what a full wedding day with me looks like. Because a lot of people are concerned, like, am I just seeing your best stuff? If you're confident in your work, you should be able to send a full gallery and say, this is what it looks like. And if you like that wedding, this is what the rest of their day looked like. If you're curious, those little extra touches go such a long way. So giving yourself an opportunity to have the information you need to make them feel special, you're just setting yourself up for success before you even meet them. I see this so, like my brain is running a million miles a minute right now. I have so many different ideas of like what you could do with that, especially with newborns, families that are book, like looking for newborn photographers. You don't just hand your newborn over to anyone to take photos of. No. As you and I both know with little ones. Yeah. Like, you don't just, you have to really find someone that you trust. So I'm envisioning like a behind the scenes video that you could then send your clients to show them what a newborn session looks like and how good you are with babies. And just, there's so many different options. If you just get a little bit more information from them on that contact page of what you could do with it. And if your site is written well, and you're building that like, no trust factor the whole way through, people are going to want to give you that information. So all of your copy on your website is like a preliminary contract with the people that will eventually book you. So if you have something on your website that makes them feel connected to you, then it's going to be much easier to sell them once they're in your inbox. So think of it as the initial start of the conversation that you're going to be having with them from the time they land in your inbox until you deliver photos. Your website really sets that all up. And like for a newborn photographer, you could totally put on like, tell me what your pregnancy has been like. What mom doesn't want to 
dish on that. And like, you can instantly jump into that conversation in the email. Anyway, I could go on and on about that. Email is just as important as copy, but your website copy gets you to the email. Yes. Oh, such good information. I love it. So if our listeners want to find you on social media, where can they find you? I am at green, like the color chair, like the furniture and stories, plural, not with a Y. I love it. And make sure you go to her website and check out that green chair because there's a picture of the green chair on yeah. there. <laughs> Just greenchairstories.com. And I do have a guide. It's kind of my entire process that I walk clients through distilled down into a PDF and it's for sale on the site. It's right in the main navigation if you are interested in writing your own website copy. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Find Your Focus podcast with Cole's Classroom. I hope that you got some great takeaways from this episode that you can apply to your business. Make sure to visit colesclassroom.com backslash podcast for the show notes and any links that we talked about during this episode. If you like this episode, head over to iTunes and tap that five-star button and leave us a review.